Hey guys, welcome to The Butter Dish. I'm Natalie Giulini. And I'm Heidi Baller. And we're hanging out today with Marla Hannig. So fun story. I sometimes get some genius ideas every now and again. And I was thinking that there are probably people on Instagram that we would be best friends with that we just don't know about. And it's not because we're like trying to like not find people, but I think it's just a really big world out there. Sometimes mm, you just don't realize like, true. oh, I don't know, there's like 5 billion users <laughs> and I guess we can't know them all. So actually probably exactly how many there are. I know, seriously. <laughs> so I put in the stories uh, like, are you a, a hidden gem that like we should totally know about and have you on our podcast? And Marla was super brave. I think you had just had a birthday and you're like, I'm going to go for this. And so Love here it. we are a couple months later recording with Marla. We're excited to chat with her today about actually some really cool topics that I think that we could, if we could hand drop or hand these things over to women, we would love to, but alas, Mm. we'll just talk about them and hope they inspire you to like work towards them. Or maybe you can pick one out of the seven that, you know, like, I actually kind of like that one Mm -hmm. and I kind of want to attach that. So without further ado, Marla, introduce yourself to us. Welcome to The Butter Dish. Oh my gosh. So thank you so much. I have really been looking forward to this just because I want to chat with you guys. Like I have to tell you, Thank you for what you're doing in the space for women. I think it's really powerful. And I think you should be congratulated. Like you are doing awesome work. So thank you. This is like kind of a late birthday gift for me that I get to chat with you. So just quickly, a little bit about myself. I have been a stay-at-home mom for the last 27 years. I have five kids who range in age from 10 all the way up to 27. I have two. Yeah. Wow. So I have two still at home and I do have a ton going on in my life. So, um, but let's be honest, the most important thing here, I have two cutest grandsons on the face of this planet. And that's what I would want to talk to you for an hour about would be those grandsons, but we will move (laughs) on. Um, So just kind of to let you know a little bit about my background, like I was not a college athlete. I wasn't even a high school athlete. Like I'm just like your everyday mom who just kind of figured out how to maintain weight and have a healthy mindset throughout my life. So one of my biggest passions has always been learning. Like I just, that's what I'm passionate about is learning. And through the years, I love learning about like how to sleep well, how to eat well, how to talk to myself, how to have a healthy mindset, how to take care of my body. Um, And just kind of as a little side note, I'm hoping that as I mentioned these, some women out there are laughing and like, yes, me too. So I actually started my workouts back in the mid nineties with Jane Fonda. And then I thought it was super fancy when I went to graduated to Jen Miller with Steph Reebok and bought literally my first pair of dumbbells were hot pink. And I thought it was super fabulous that I could like get up and down on my step with two risers while doing bicep curls. Like I thought that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that is some coordination. No lie. (laughs) So I'm just wondering like how many women are out there going, Oh my gosh. Yes. I did that too. My first tracking was actually, yes, you raised your had. You did. I love it. So my first tracking was actually in 1998. I was pregnant with my second daughter and I had read the book, What to Expect When You Were Expecting. Uh-oh. And I was fascinated with the chapter on um, nutrition in pregnancy. So the way my brain works, I've made this little chart and I had all of the different categories across the top. Like they had like red and orange fruits and vegetables and green fruits and vegetables. And looking back, all we were basically doing was making sure you're getting in your vitamin A, your vitamin C, your fiber, your protein, your carbs. But I love the guidance that that gave me through my pregnancy. And I had a really healthy pregnancy that I felt great. So that was like my first introduction to kind of tracking or being really aware about my food. 
Um, in like 2010, 2012-ish, I found, back then it was an ebook by Tom Venuto, Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle. And I was enthralled and I read it several times. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing this weightlifting thing. And I um, had worked out with Kathy Friedrich and I shout out to her because she's done a ton for women. Even back in the 90s, she was pushing women like lift weights. So I did her STS program several times, but the problem was I wasn't really utilizing heavier weights. So I was gaining muscle, but not a ton. And then up to that point, I had actually never dieted. I just had healthy habits. I maintained my weight, but in my mindset, I was always chasing after losing those last five pounds. So I was like, I am going to figure out this macro thing. And I want to lose that those last five pounds. So in 2014, I was 41. I did my first cut figured out how to track macros all by myself. And I had this really successful cut. And since then, I have been utilizing the tools of macros on and off for the last 11 years to kind of help me with whatever my goals have been at the time. So um, it was actually exactly two years this month, I got this little nudge. And I don't know what you can call them in your life, but I just call them nudges. And that's kind of guided me in my path through life. And I this this was the thought that came to me was Marla, You've gained all this information. You have had all of these life experiences and it's not just for you. Like you've helped your family, you've helped your kids, you've helped yourself, but now it's time to help other people. And honestly, I fought it like hard for a couple months. I was like, I don't have time. We're in the middle of a remodel. Um, <laughs> you know, I was like, no, 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 no. And then I was like, I'm just submitting to this. And so I have been accruing professional certifications to kind of combine with my life experience and thus was born Marla Hannig, more than a health coach. And I've been coaching a couple, well, three to four clients at a time, but really kind of building the back end of my business. I published a workbook. I take clients through because I think it's really important when they're done with you that they have something to take with them, that they know how to do this. Like we're talking long-term, like no eight week, you know, little, little programs here. And so that's what I've been doing. And that's where I'm at. I'm kind of just ready to grow it. And so that's when I was like, okay, this is awesome. I can talk with Heidi and Natalie and kind of learn from them and share some of my experiences. So that's kind of where I'm at and kind of updating you on my life experiences and getting me to this point. That's awesome. I think what's what I like really liked about your post, um, and this is a post on Marla's page, and we'll obviously share it along with the podcast, is that I think so many times when you hear a lot of women and like, you know, what weight loss has done for them or what counting macros has done for them, there's always these like few items that resonate kind of with all of us that you kind of wish that like you could just share and hand over. But it, until you actually go through the process, it's, you really don't get there. Right. And I mean, it's kind of like when people are like, oh, well, let me give you advice all about your baby. And you're like, wait, hold on. I haven't even had the baby yet. Right. But like <laughs> they're well-meaning and intentioned. But I think Part of it is if we're like, you know, it's really not about the weight loss. You just have to actually really like yourself and like create some self-awareness. Everyone's like, ew, right? oh, totally. like nobody likes that. They like the five pounds, right? And so sometimes we have to start where everyone's at, which is they will, you know, the reduced belief that like weight loss will make me happy. Or if I lose this amount of, amount of weight, then I'll have never have any problems again, or I'll be, be more confident. confident. Yeah. yeah. Um, but kind of jumping ahead and maybe a little bit of the like, choose your own adventure, like reading the end first to see which direction you want to go. Hopefully this podcast will feel a little bit like that to you because these things are on the other side of the work you do. And, but it also comes with a lot of work before mm -hmm. that. Right. And so I'm excited for us to break down these cherished changes. I actually like that word. I think, um, something to cherish or a change that you cherish 
there's a lot that goes into that, right? If you think about the people you cherish, it's not because like, they're always nice to you or they're, you only have happy times with them, right? A lot of times it's because it was hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was Lindsay Parker that I picked up this phrase from, and I was like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. When she said that truth transcends all disciplines. And I love that the things that you learn in the health and fitness world can apply to your relationships with your family members and, mm-hmm. and the things that you're learning in, you know, like books that I read about being trauma informed and neurobiology, neuropsychology, totally. I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to share that with a client that it, they are interweaved, they're interwoven. And those are the truths I think that are the most powerful. So Absolutely. And that's yeah. kind of what I've pulled from as I kind of put this list together. Um, I think it's important too. I have always, well, not always, but in the last 10 to 15 years, I have felt like it's really important to be vulnerable. That um, it, it builds connections with women. And I love, you guys referenced the work of Brene Brown. I love her work. I love what she's talked about being shame resilient is sharing, is bringing to light. And I love being up and being being able to say like, hey, I do this. And other women are like, oh, you do? Like, I thought it was just me, you know? That no, we're all, we're all so much more alike than we are different, right? So as I share some of these, I'm gonna be very vulnerable and I'm gonna share things about my life because I think that does build connection. And I think it maybe really helps you to see how these apply and like, how do they really work? They're not just like this philosophy. It's like, how does this work? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. Absolutely. So right. one kick us off now. Yeah, so let's dive in. I okay. love, okay, Adm- admitted she handed us like her wonderful uh, bullet points. So we're just going to kind of follow along. <laughs> I was reading ahead a little bit. I do like, love me a spoiler. So. <laughs> I know it's, I'm seriously it's not worse. Yes, I know. She'll spoil the ending to any show. I know letter. it's for my dad. What can I say? I know. I think she so, also loves to have things spoiled too, which is probably very, why very I, confusing. This is probably why I love this podcast so much because it's like, hey, spoiler alert! These things are waiting for you if you just do the work. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little about aging. Oh. Okay, aging. So I saw once this this thought. It was a quote, and I have just taken it to heart. Was that? Um, aging is a privilege denied to many, mm-hmm. and I was like right. I am not going to take for granted the the fact that I age. And so I have a really different philosophy. I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, I don't want to grow older. And I'm like, I I freaking love it. Like, honestly, like I've lived enough life now that I have hopefully accrued some wisdom and life experiences and things that I worried about in my thirties. I just don't even have the space in my brain or in my heart or in my life to even worry about it. So I love aging. I, I really do. I love being able to grow. And I think that that's kind of what, when I turned 51 and I just had this, like looking back at like, well, what, what have I grown? What have I done? What has changed? Um, And the first one that I'm just going to dive in to what has changed as I was thinking about aging and really what, you know, you see those posts all the time, what would tell my younger self? And I'm like, I don't know that my younger self would have believed it. And so honestly, you know, right. Yes. And so I'm like, but this is what I love about motherhood is that things that I didn't know to teach my kids then, like my girls are grown, but we can have conversations about all sorts of things still that you can still like, it's never too late. And that's part of aging too, that you realize it's never too late. But my first one was being okay, sitting in in uncomfortable because this is where the change actually happens. And I used to push this away. Um, I used to be uncomfortable with it. I didn't understand. And so I was just like, "Eh, no, thank you with my sassy face. Um, but I love the work of Brian Post, and he has written the book From Fear to Love. And his first chapter 
is pretty profound. And my husband and I read it and we couldn't get past the first chapter because it was so hard. And he he teaches that the hardest work you will ever do as a parent is address your own fears and insecurities. And we were like, oh, well, like we want something different than <laughs> like that's <laughs> And I think it's the same thing in, in your, your health and fitness journey. If you truly want to change your mindset, your body, your eating, you've got to be willing to address your own fears and insecurities. They are built into that. And that happens when you're willing to get really uncomfortable, when you're really willing to be really raw and honest and vulnerable and see parts of yourself that maybe you don't like. And that's okay if you don't love all the parts of yourself. Like that's part of being human, right? Yeah. So um, in my health and fitness journey and the way that this came about was when I was 50. um, So last early spring, I started my first bulk. And if you want to talk about getting uncomfortable, like here, you know, you're, you're always wanting to be lean and trim and fit. And I'm like, I'm intentionally gaining weight. What is wrong with my brain? Um, But I loved the process. And I finished that up just a couple of weeks ago. And I absolutely will do one again. Like it, it was so powerful because it was uncomfortable. Like I had to buy new jeans. I had to buy new shorts and new skirts for the summer. I had to buy new workout clothes. And I realized that I really was strong enough to do that, to be uncomfortable in that space. Um, and that that's about that too, is that like, you were like, I think uh, this is what women don't really understand. Like you're actually intentionally getting uncomfortable. Like it's, mm-hmm. it really does push the limit. And I think there are some women who really are like, to your point, like, actually, I kind of love the process. It was great. It was good to prove to myself that like, I really wasn't super tied to the scale or things like that, or, or my goals were bigger than just like, you know, oh, I don't want to gain weight like that. You know, a lot, a lot of times I think that's like, I don't care what happens to me, but I just don't want to gain weight is like a lot of people's mm-hmm. like, you know, thought process, but you're like, oh, actually it's going to happen. <laughs> totally. Right? Totally. Or we're so used to like intentionally doing that. You can learn to support yourself in a way that can be hard to come by when the discomfort is always blindsiding you, you know? Yes. And you know, one of the things I did that was super simple is that when I couldn't wear a pair of pants or a workout top anymore, I took it out of my closet. So I wasn't, it wasn't like they're staring at me, like haunt, like haunting me, like you can't wear me anymore. And I'm like, yeah, we'll get out of here then. You know, like <laughs> that, like I reclaimed my power in that. And I knew that being uncomfortable was going to get me the results I wanted. And it's, that's something I share with clients. It's like, when you feel uncomfortable, like count your win because change is happening, girl. Like if you're uncomfortable, that's where that change is happening. And you, you better be celebrating it because that's a really powerful place to be in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, I think that that it kind of goes hand in hand with my next cherished concept, which was Gaining more emotional intelligence as I've trusted my ability to handle big, hard feelings, which come up in big, uncomfortable situations, right? Um, And let's be honest, I don't know about you ladies when you were growing up, but like emotional intelligence was not something we talked about ever. It was not a thing. And when I was raising my, my older girls now, it wasn't a thing. And, but we talk about it now. Like, that's what I said. It's, it's never too late. Like we talk about, and actually it was recently, my third daughter called me out and she's like, mom, like name it to tame it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. You know, like she was kind of coaching me along, but that's one of the things that I've learned is it's actually not that hard. You name your emotion and just naming it starts to tame it. And then it gives you this empowerment to work through the emotion. And obviously in the health and fitness industry and as nutrition coaches, the way, the place we see that come up the most is in emotional eating, which is a 
It's a huge thing, I think, especially among women. So I wanted to share a story, if you're okay with that. It is a very vulnerable story, um, just because I used to hear like these concepts of how to deal with emotional eating, but I was like, I don't know how to apply this. So my youngest actually has bipolar. She has early onset bipolar disorder or early childhood bipolar disorder. And we have chosen as a family to talk very openly about that, hoping that we can be part of the movement to remove the stigma around mental illness. Because if my child had childhood diabetes, you better believe we're going to be talking about it. Um, My kid did not choose this. She would do anything to not have these mood storms that blow in and blow out. It's hard. Um, And bipolar disorder in children looks differently than it does in adults. It's usually more raging. And so if she's on the depressed end, she's raging. If she's on the anxious manic end, she's raging. And these rages can go on for an extended period of time. And it's very exhausting as a mother because my role is to stay regulated enough to provide scaffolding for her um, so that she eventually can learn how to pull herself back down from these rages. Um, Because if I lose my crap um, and I become dysregulated, like, you know, (laughs) it's it's, so easy to do. I have so easy easy to do. So we had been through one of these, um, we had been through a hard time. It had, you know, it had been building, things were difficult. And we had a night that the rages had gone on and on and on. And it finally kind of like the lights flip, flip switched. We had our girl back. And I went straight for the kitchen and I walked in there and I was on bulk at the time and I paused. And and this is something I think is really important for women to understand. If you can just train yourself to pause for just one second, one second can give you the difference between reacting to a situation and actually responding, which is what we want. We want to use that upper executive functioning brain to respond to the situation And so I paused because I had been practicing that and failed several times at pausing, but this time it worked. I paused and I was like, Marla, what do you really want in this kitchen? What are you looking for? And I sat there for a minute and I was like, I want to feel good because I feel really crappy inside. It hurts my heart to see my kid feel this way. My brain feels like it's going to explode. It's like jogging around inside itself from all the noise. I just want to feel good. And I was like, okay, well, if you go and eat those Reese's, you know, pieces, eggs you've been having since Easter, are you really going to feel better? And I'm like, "Mm, for a few minutes. And you know what, that night I didn't, I didn't eat anything. Because I didn't want a temporary release. And something that I've learned that's really powerful is that a lot of times what we crave and what we can utilize to help in those moments that are really hard when we are having a big emotion is actually leaning into physical affection, which is so not natural for me. It's a skill I've had to learn. And so times like that, I go find my spouse and I'll just be like, just hold me, just hold me. And and a lot of times me and my daughter, I'll bring her close to me and we just hug and we just melt. Mm -hmm. And there's been times when I'm alone and, and, you know, maybe you're single um, and you can offer that to yourself. There's time I'll literally just tickle my arm because I love that feeling. And that emotion just, it just melts. And the thing about eating to try and fill that that need that you have is you can't get enough of what you don't need. And that's why 
I knew if I had four Easter eggs, it would probably turn to eight and then 12 and 16 because it wasn't giving me what I truly needed. Right. And um, I have to tell you, um, Heidi, one of your, you guys' posts that really was touching to me. Um, and I hope you're okay. Cause you've talked about, you have a daughter with autism mm-hmm. and you've talked about that. So I hope it's okay. I bring that up, but there was a post and you have her on your back Oh yeah, and walking into your house. And I don't even remember what the real was, but it actually made me cry oh. because I felt seen. And I'm like, I'm not the only woman going through these really, really hard things. And it's so empowering to use the health and fitness world to help me with these hard things. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and so I love that. Like literally that post, um, it it just, I don't know. I felt seen. I just felt really seen. So thank you. I'm so glad. Well, and your story is so touching, really. I I think that is so, um, I think it's a, it's an watching your child struggle is a, is a heartache. I, every mother can respond to regardless of what other issues your, your child may have. And I think understanding how to support yourself, like you said, it isn't something I don't, I don't even know if in human history, if generations have really understood how to do it until now. Um, I certainly didn't. I look at my parents and they're very without these skills as well. And, um, I think it's really, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to realize where your power comes from. And there's, there's so many, um, in the, in the coaching school I went to, they refer to them as buffers, these little things that take the edge off of negative emotion to bring it down to a, just a little bit more of a tolerable level. You're not actually processing those stress chemicals or doing anything meaningful to regulate yourself. You're just taking the edge off. So you go from, from an 11 to an eight but you're still right there dancing on the edge. You don't feel that much better. So, you know, binging shows, eating, emotionally eating, yelling at someone, you know, whatever it is, these ways that we react um, to offload the difficult emotions, like the, the shame, the helplessness, all of those things. Um, and it, and it also subconsciously, I think reinforces the idea that, that we, just like outside things can change how we feel. That's also where the power comes from. And so showing yourself in yourself in these moments that, um, that you're not alone, you know, that you have the power within to help regulate yourself. And you also have, you also can reach out for help in a more meaningful way. Instead of Reese's peanut butter eggs there, it's, it's, you know, building that connection with your spouse and co-regulating with a member of your family or, or whatnot. It's, it's really, um, I mean, I have said this before, it is so ludicrous to me that I used to think that health and fitness was like superficial Mm -hmm. when it's actually, um, been such an absolutely life altering psyche shifting (laughs) healing process, you know, and, um, while Nat and I were joking about this this morning, like while exercise helps you process the stress of now. And so that's why a lot of people think it's therapy. It's not therapy is therapy, but also, (laughs) but also exercise is so important in the, this self-regulation realm that you're talking about. this really powerful story you share that's, and I can see the vulnerability in that. And, um, and it's, it's, I think it's going to connect with a lot of people listening. I think we all can kind of, we've all been 
in those shoes before. Yeah. And I think we're in like a, such a unique position as women in our age, like we're in our forties, you're in your fifties to really be a trajectory change for our younger generation. They have incredible high EQs, our children do. And I think, you know, depending on like, even just you, when you mentioned like reading, you know, what to expect, what you're expecting. Oh, yeah. Heidi and I were like, oh, I know, I went, oh, is that, because we remember like digesting that and baby wise and all these ways oh. to control your kids so that they never feel sad and they always yes. feel happy. And then you realize- and They like, always are predictable and yes. do what they're supposed to do. And you realize like what a disservice we, we were- thinking as mothers to think that like, oh, I don't want you to cry because crying means you're sad. And I don't want you to ever be sad. I only want you to be happy. And I only want you to be happy because that means that I am a good mother. Right. And how we've done that, even with like weight loss, I mean, anything, right. We've been programmed to believe that feeling sad or feeling upset or feeling angry are negative things. And we don't ever want to feel negative about anything. Yeah. And so only the things that we do and like, whether it's a fitness pursuit or weight loss or taking this class or cleaning my house is always because it has to be happy. Right. And like, to your point about your daughter and, you know, Heidi and I definitely, we have neurodivergence in our house. We have mental health issues in our families and you're telling it. And I feel it. It's like in order for me to hold space for my kids who are struggling and anxious and depressed, I have to be regulated, mm-hmm. right? Cause if I lose my stuff, then they're going to lose their stuff even more. And then all of us are going to lose it. Yeah. And so it's interesting how it seems like, how does this even tie into like counting macros and exercise Oh, everything, right? Paying attention to yourself. Asking yourself what you need was really the beauty of macros that really changed things for Heidi and I. And the same thing goes with emotions. Like, what do I read right now? Is it Reese's Pieces eggs? What do I need right now? I need a hug. What do I read right now? Need right now? I need to ball my eyes out so that I can like take the top off a little bit, right? What do I read right? Need right now? I can't even say. I keep saying read right now. (laughs) What do I need right now? I need to be able to be as strong as I possibly can for my daughter who needs me to be that person for her. Right. And so it's just like, how many times have we put ourselves on the back burner, not addressing our needs, you know, all in the efforts to like, be a better mother, be a better friend, sister, wife, whatever it is, or show up a certain way. Mm -hmm. And all we do is just on a low simmer of like waiting for the pot to burn. Right. And it just, we're evaporating as we go, as we get older, if we're not paying attention to it. And so I think that's why I love so many of your lists because it is hard. It is the hardest work you will ever do to allow yourself to be sad. Like I remember telling Heidi one day, like, I'm just going to be sad today. I'm not even going to try to change it. And it was probably the best thing I ever did for myself mm-hmm. to the point because I'm just like, it's fine. Who cares? Like you're allowed to be sad. Like that why about, am I avoiding it? She about broke my face when she told me that as like a, a fixer, helper, classic, you know, anxious attachment style, all that. I was like, no, no, you mustn't be sad. Like I, it's, learning, um, to allow myself to feel negative emotion is probably one of the biggest things I've learned from, from Natalie. And, and even for our kids, right? Like my kid was having a bad day the other day. I'm like, it's okay. You can be sad all you want. Let's just sit here and be sad. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. I don't want them to never feel sad because then the problem is then they suppress everything and then they mm-hmm. turn 40 and have, a de- they're depressed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's a quick yeah. book, quick fast forward of a book. <laughs> well, read. It's actually the name of a book out there that's called Buried Feelings Never Die. And that's the mm-hmm. truth is if you, yeah. if you shove them down, they're just going to keep coming back up. Mm-hmm. And what I found is it's really not super hard to process them. Like when, when we got the diagnosis that Sophie had bipolar disorder, I would, I just allowed myself for a week. I was sad and I cried every time I wanted to cry. And I just felt it. And then I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of feeling this way. Like, and then I, you know, managed it a little bit differently, but just allowing yourself to feel the emotion most of the time for me and naming it. Like, I feel really like 
very depressed. I'm really sad right now. It, it, it takes the power away from the emotion. It gives the power back to you. And I think that what this does that's so empowering is it brings you in alignment with your highest self. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I made the choice, like I'm not eating the Reese's peanut butter cups or whatever, I'm going to go do something. What I was doing was actually creating alignment for myself. You're and witnessing yourself have that emotion and who's witnessing it? Your higher self. Yes. So and then, then you feel empowered. And so it, it, it propels you forward for more growth, really, you know, oh, so I good. think that leads super beautiful. into like number three, which is I'm much stronger than I think. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. And I just have to say up front that I think all women are like women are freaking amazing. And and like at the end of my post, I actually said, if I could give women a gift, I would wish for them to look in the mirror and see themselves in within truth of who they really are, because I think we live so much of under beneath ourselves because of the way that we talk about ourselves, the way that we are internalizing different experiences we've had. And it's just like, let go of it. Just let it go. But We're literally uh, called the weaker sex, you know, like literally, yeah, literally like the, the pink dumbbells, <laughs> like two to five pounds. This is what you're supposed well, to Well, and reduced to know? like a look and a body and a size yeah. and number, right? Is like how, like, I mean, we've been belittled since the beginning of time. I know, <laughs> only to find out that we have like this most insane pain tolerance among all of these other metaphorical and literal ways that we can do heavy lifting. I mean, for crying out loud, we get a period every single month that like wrecks your soul. And yet here we are the weaker sex. Are you kidding me? Well, like we have the ability within us to create life. Right. Oh, hello. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. So we, but um, I was going to, I wanted to share this conversation that I had with a good friend when I was in my thirties and we were kind of boohooing with each other. Like, Oh, we work out all the time and we just can't gain muscle and we're just not genetically inclined. And, uh, and honestly, like there is some truth to that. Like I am not one of those outliers who can just do a few things and have these amazing shoulders. Like it is hard work for me to build muscle, but I can do it. Um, and it was been this, 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 this conversations that I was having with my friend all these years back came to me recently because I was able to grab a one-on-one coaching spot with you guys as besties uh, with Jordan lips. And cause I was like, okay, I am serious about this hypertrophy. I want to like, I want to go to somebody who really knows it. And I had had a coaching call with him and he was like, look, it was for my RDLs, my glute bridge and walking lunges. And he was like, push, he's like, I want you to push your weight up more. He's like, you're just jumping like five to 10 pounds. And he like had me jump a lot. And I was like, like, are you great? You know, but I went into the gym because I have a gym in my basement. I was working out at home and I was like, you know what I have to lose? Like, let's see what happens. And you know what happened? I did it. Yeah. I literally did it. Like I did walking lunges with 30 pounds. And I was like, and regardless of where you are, or aren't like, that was huge for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just hit my glute bridge at 300 pounds and my RDLs are now at my own body weight. And I was like, that's when I realized I still had some self-limiting beliefs in there that I needed to pull out about how I couldn't be strong. And I'm like, I'm calling BS here. Like I can be strong, but again, like all truth, you know, truth transcends all disciplines. It goes the other direction. So I was, cause I work out at home and I also work out at the gym and I went to the gym and I was doing the hack squat, which is super hard for me. Hack squats are just hard because they're already heavy. And then you put more weight on. And I was trying to up my rep and I was just like having one of those days that I was really sassy inside. And I was just kind of like, Oh, I've got this. I so have this. Like, I am going to get this one more rep. And when it was all over and I finally caught my breath, I was like, you know what? 
if I can do what I just did on that hack spot by saying, I'm going to drive into my garage and I can open my door and I am going to be okay with whatever mood storm is coming my way this morning. Cause you never know, you know, you never know what, what's going to greet you. And, and so being powerful in the gym helps me be powerful outside of the gym. Absolutely. And being powerful in the kitchen helps me to be powerful in my relationships with my spouse. When I'm like, he's a jerk and I hate him. And I can be like, no, let's back this up a little bit. And let's be like more of like a nice human being and look at this from a, um, using that executive functioning brain and not responding or not reacting, but responding. Like it goes both ways, right? Totally. One of my favorite things that I've, that I, I happened upon in my research with trauma is that weightlifting actually connects with the part of your brain and regulates the part of your brain that lets you know that your suffering will begin and end because you're working hard and then you take a break and you're working hard and you're taking, and not to mention all the positive thoughts that you're reinforcing with like, you've got this, you can effing do this. Like all that kind of stuff is like super good, but it's, it's crazy that it, it literally is transforming your brain as you do it. It is. And I love it. I love it. (laughs) So let's go to the next one. So it was my fourth one was letting go of the power of other people's opinions and judgments. And Mm -hmm. I actually learned this outside of my health and fitness journey. And then I applied it inside of my health and fitness journey. So if you have a kid who is, you know, a lot of neurodivergent kids have a lot of big baffling behaviors. Um, And if you have this and it shows up in public, You can have, you basically have two choices. You can allow other people's judgments and opinions of yourself to really make you unhappy and feel like crap, or you can figure it out and you can let it go. And so after feeling just really icky inside for so long, I was like, okay, it's time for me to do the work with this. And so we actually, my biggest nightmare was to have my daughter have a mood storm blow in while we were on an airplane. You can understand why. You can completely relate. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, of course it happened. It happened uh, last March. We were on our way to see my daughter in Oregon. And I literally was like coaching myself through this. So this is how, like, these are the steps. This is how I have let go of other people's judgments. My kid loses it. We pull her back in. Gratefully, it was pretty short-lived and we didn't have a lot of disruption, but my emotions were on my sleeve and I literally was fighting back tears. Like I was feeling a lot of emotions in, in many different realms, but this was what was going on inside in my brain. I was like, Marla, you are an amazing mom. You were chosen to be her mom. Marla, your behavior is not a reflection of how good of a parent you are. Or Marla, you will never see these people again. They don't matter. What matters more is how you're feeling right now and how your girl is feeling right now. Like it is hard to coach yourself in those moments, but that's how I've been able to let go of those judgments. And as I have delved into becoming trauma-informed, um, I've learned that when we feel other people's uh, fingers being pointed at us, it's usually our own finger being pointed at us. 100%. We're, we're, we're judging ourselves through other people's eyes. And, you know, it's people, I've said this before too, but people say don't care about what other people think, right? Like as if that's like some kind of switch that you can just, oh, oh, thank you for saying that now. Right? It's so when, easy, right? <laughs> right. When it's like saying, don't care what people think is the same thing as saying like, you know, don't think of a yellow school bus. It's mm-hmm. like where the antidote is actually not to put the focus on not caring what other people think, but 
exactly what you just did where you're like, you're focusing on what you think, what you are experiencing in the moment and being present with yourself. Cause that's a big one. That is, that is really, that's really difficult for me. I remember when Maddie was first diagnosed, I remember feeling, um, weirdly envious of like, of other conditions that are more obvious to people that like, um, you know, like if you knew you would have more, because people have said terrible things over the years. Um, everything from like, do you, what, do you not say no to your child? Do you not, you know, like what a self, what a spoiled brat to like, um, uh, com- comments on my mothering, all of that. I even one time explained that it, she had autism and somebody told me that it was no excuse, you know? So it's like, it's like trying to, trying to, but again, like as a pleaser, that's been a, that's been a tough one to manage. And I still have to keep my eye on it all the time. Um, although in many ways it's gotten so much better. And that sassiness that you're talking about is like, I mean, she is my, I've gotten a lot better at just being able to focus directly on her and directly on myself. And you know what, let, let it, let everybody else deal with, deal with themselves. You know, it's, it's definitely a hard lesson to learn though, but that's such a, also a very vulnerable story to share. And so I think relatable to so many people. Well, and you know what, honestly, I think if I could have anybody take one thing away from this, it would be this, which has nothing to do with what I came in here to talk about is that if you see a child at a store at Costco, whatever, and they are losing their stuff, maybe assume that there is something more going on that you can't see. Instead of assuming that there's just a really crappy parent. Like if you could offer that mother compassion, do you know what that would do for her in that moment? Like, Mm -hmm. because like when a kid's two and three and they're, they're acting up, everybody is like, oh, that's not, you know, it's hard, but they expect it. But when you have a child who's 10, who has an emotional age that when things are hard reverses back to being a three or four year old, like in the moment, she's three or four in a 10 year old body. Mm -hmm. And so it just just be nice. <laughs> it's going right? to like, well, and it, all the <laughs> as Brene, we can't get through this without, you know, talking about Brene Brown, but it's like, it's perversely like, um, it's, it's actually one of the greatest things you can do for yourself is to not judge that person because it, it benefits you and your inner experiences. You don't have to live with that judgment. And do also, interesting to consider that a lot of the times that you yourself are dysregulated, you're probably a similar age. Um, so that compassion is only going to benefit, like you give it, you get it back tenfold in your relationship with yourself. I totally agree. It's, and you know, it's kind of like similar to those sassy signs you see that are like, excuse the mess people live here, but it's like, you know, excuse the disturbance, but like, children are developing here. Like, sorry, they, like, are they not allowed to be at Costco or at a restaurant or whatever? I mean, the ways that the ways we expect children to act like really short adults is an inherently traumatic expe- expectation. Well, and they don't even like really think of you even because like you're also responding to that event too, right? Like mm-hmm. you're having your own like emotional response to what's happening with your kids. So both of you are becoming dysregulated depending on who you are, right? So having sure. some compassion for the whole entire scenario instead of it just being like, you can't do this. You know, I think my favorite thing that I learned this year was when you're judging other people is because you think you're doing it better. And that has slapped me in the face whenever I think about even being a little bit judgmental because like, dude, I do not want that on me. That is a crappy attitude to have that I think like, well, my kid would never or I would never. It's like, ew, right? And so the amount of compassion I have and then 
even just, you know, I was talking to Heidi about this morning, how we're all just like big kids. Like I'm like a 43 year old big kid. Like I hope people have compassion for me when I lose it or I have a meltdown or I'm dysregulated because I'm just trying to figure it out as much as like, you know, my little kids are. And so I just think, I remember it was one time I had infant carrier, two little ones in the target cart. And it was just like, you know, there was like chaos, chaos. And this mom walked by and she's like, you're doing a really good job. And I just remember thinking, and I just like looked at her and I about started crying. I'm like, thank you for saying that, even though I'm not. And she's like, no, you are. She's like, you won't see it now, but like 10 years from now, you'll be, you'll realize this target trip. You did it. Like, she's like, you're here, you know? Uh And for every nice person, there's probably about 50 people who are like judgmental and are like, why can't we bring your kids out kind of energy. Right. But it's like, you know what? That woman knew because she probably lived it. Right. Yeah. And to say to a mom, even if you just put your hand up, like, Hey, you got this and like walk <laughs> away. Even if they think, even if they think you're being a jerk for saying that, because they're, you know, that's, you're still trying to give them some words of encouragement. Yeah. Right. And cause yeah, you might get a mom who's like, leave me alone. Like, are you making <laughs> fun of me or whatever? You know, we're all heightened in different ways, but I think we could do a lot of good by just being encouraging to each other and yeah. supportive instead of being like, well, you know, if you adjust blah, 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 like well, totally that, right. that one, um, was it like, you know, if you have no kids, you're the perfect parent. Right. And then if you have, <laughs> you have your first kid, you think like, Oh, like I got this. And when you have your second kid, it was, you realize that you know nothing about parenting <laughs> and it teaches you to be less judgmental. Right. It's like these like little staggers. And it's like, it's true. I think we would, we would be in a different place if everyone just gave everyone a lot more grace about the things that are going on, you know, whether it's on the airplane or in a parking mm-hmm. lot or my whole or house, gym. you know, <laughs> gym. like yeah. I think it applies to the gym so much. So true. I like, um, I have always worked out at home because I've had very limited time to work out. And I'm like, I don't have 15 minutes to drive, but I realized that I, cause I have a, full, a functional fitness machine. I have, you know, the cables, the Smith machine, a barbell, all that. But I realized I'm like, I could probably have better growth and use my time more efficiently. If I was actually using some machines, ladies, it terrified me to get a gym membership, terrified me because I we all have a fear of failure, but I realized I have a fear of failing in front of other people. Like, let me fail at home, but I don't want to fail in the gym. And so I was like, I need to do this. I need to do the one thing I'm afraid of. And this was literally how I talked to myself the first few times I walked into the gym. I'm like, Marla, you paid as much money as everybody else to be here. Marla, you deserve to be here. You have every right to be here. Marla, you've been working out since you were 20. Most of these kids weren't even alive then. You know what you're doing. You deserve to be here. Like, And then I was kind of to in to go align with what we were just talking. I was like, and you know what? While you're here at the gym, you can help other people feel comfortable being at the gym. Like, oh, let's right. treat them and- as women, right? Yes. I mean, even that statement right there, right? Like if, if you're uncomfortable going to the gym and you have decades of experience, if, if I'm uncomfortable going to the gym and we're, you know, we're, we're fitness, I'm using air quotes, fitness influencers, close quote, you know, like who, who is feeling okay at the gym, right? Like every, everybody has a a dash of imposter syndrome whenever you're trying anything. It's it's the it's the nervous system reaction to vulnerability. Like who do you think you are? Like who do you think you are to feel good about yourself? All of those things, right? My favorite thing to do is just like they're improving themselves. They're trying to improve themselves. Exactly. They're trying to improve themselves. It's like I think it's like, once again, to the point of everything, it's like you usually are reflecting back like what you think about yourself. Like, mm-hmm. oh there, why should I be here? It's like, you know what I mean? It's like we gotta, Everybody we, gets to play. We got to be 
kind of right into your number five. It's perfect. More gentle with your imperfections, <gasps> right? Yeah. So I will say that I am actually a recovering perfectionist. And um, are you? <laughs> yes. And I realize, so I love Jennifer Finlayson Five. I think her stuff is amazing. Um, if you don't know her, go look her up. She's a sex therapist and she has done great work for women. So I've attended some of her workshops. My husband and I bought all of her classes. And this is one of the greatest takeaways from all the things that I learned from her was that my perfectionism was kind of a smokescreen for my inability to tolerate the human experience. Mm-hmm. And when that, like that slapped me in the face and I was just like, oh, like how rude that he would say that, you know? <laughs> like, I, was I like, love how rude things, cause you know that it's like, cause you need them, right? <laughs> if you're like rude, then you're like, oh, that's totally something I need to hear. <laughs> exactly. And I sat with that for a while and then I was like, all right, I'm going to increase my tolerance for the human experience. And I don't really have those perfectionistic tendencies anymore. I mean, it's, they, they rear their ugly head every once in a while. But I'm so much more gentle with myself. And I will tell you one of the reasons why, too, is because um, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Kristen Neff, who studied compassion. Robin Goble is an amazing. She does work with trauma-informed kids and helping parents to have kids with big baffling behaviors. She has the club. Recommend you into her. Big baffling behavior. I love that term. I I had to put your notes. I just wanted to. Say that. Name that. Big baffling behaviors. Um, Big baffling behaviors. Yeah, she's amazing. But she, I think she, I think she borrowed this from Kristen Neff. And when I heard this, it was again like a slap in the face. She said, "Self compassion is the neurobiology of change." Mm. So let me say that again. Self compassion is the neurobiology of change. Not ripping on yourself. Not telling yourself how horrible you are. Not telling yourself you'll never be good enough. That keeps you stuck. Mm-hmm. actually being like, good morning, sweetheart. I love you. And you're talking to yourself. That is what helps to propel you for change and growth. So again, since I'm vulnerable, let me tell you this little experience really quick. So baby number three, and number four came via C-section. And of course you have this little scar and then you have this ledge where all of your extra skin hangs over. And so if I was really lean, I didn't have what I termed my ledge. But if even like two pounds, three pounds, you saw that ledge and I would literally get out of the shower every morning and I would look at my ledge and see like how much of my ledge could you see? I would dress myself to kind of cover that ledge. Now, this is very vulnerable. And I am sharing this because I think there are a million women out there who are doing the same thing. And I think it will release the power for them if they realize they're not the only one doing this. So I don't know when the switch happened, but a while ago, I got out of the shower and I was like, I haven't looked at my ledge for a long time. Like, I don't even know if you can see it. And I realized this place that I had always wanted to be at in my body and just loving it. And I mean, that's an imperfection, you know, to have a scar and then your skin hang over it. But it was, it didn't matter anymore. Like I could own it. And I had this thought one day that as women, we need to honor the stories our bodies tell. Maybe you've gone through a financial reversal. Maybe you've had a divorce. Maybe you've had a lost a loved one. And and you know what? Your body's going to show it, right? And we need to love those parts of our body too, right? Yep, I absolutely agree. And it only happens when you are in a space of offering yourself compassion. Mm -hmm. It's, it's It's not the beating up. 
Totally. And that's such a, it flies in the face of, I think the way most of us have been conditioned and conditioned ourselves to think about improvement. Right. I, I was, I didn't know I had low self-esteem until I was like 38. Cause I thought I just had like, I just thought I had really high expectations of myself. Like I knew I could do it if I just kept trying, you know? Um, but yeah, I completely agree. And I love that. That's very poetic. The, um, honor, the stories, our bodies tell. And I, I absolutely love that. I, you know, for me, um, for me, a lot of my self-esteem issues have revolved around my face. Um, I didn't have most of my teeth, most of my teeth were missing until I was like 16. I have a, a genetic condition. And so, um, you know, I was bullied and I had, some difficulty with that. And even now there's still, I mean, I, I could easily rattle off a few things that I don't like about my face, but it's been interesting this, the last few weeks is I had a, um, some skin cancer removed from my face and it was, it was, it's, it came right as I was like, kind of at the most peaceful place I'd ever been with my appearance. And it's been a really interesting experience to, um, you know, like the, the, the cancer wasn't life-threatening, just self-esteem threatening as it turns out, (laughs) but it's been very, it's been, it's been a very good opportunity for me to extend that self-compassion and, um, and be patient with the process of healing and change and all that. It's been, I'm, I'm weirdly grateful for it. Um, and especially knowing that this is probably something that I'm going to have to do many times, like have most surgery, probably many times, like my mom has, and I'm susceptible to it and whatnot. And I also didn't really understand how important sunscreen was until I was like 25. Um, so anyways, but it's, I, I love that because while it's, you know, I even talked to Natalie before we got on because I haven't been wearing a bandage for the last few days, but I've noticed it's really distracting to other people. So I actually put it on more for you than for me. <laughs> but um, but it's also uh yeah, it's just been it's been a nothing appreciate helps nothing has helped me appreciate my face more than somebody cutting a hole in it. So um, you know, whether however you come to sometimes the challenges that we like the flaws help us just like you're talking about with your child or with your body or whatever, help us, um, stretch and extend our love and our compassion in some extremely meaningful and healing ways. Um, and it's, it's really, it's helping me reconnect to these, this younger, more vulnerable part of me that, um, really, really felt ugly and really felt a lot of shame about how I look. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful to be in a better place with it and be able to support myself a little bit better. Right. Like, like the kitchen moment of like, what, what do you really need? And, um, and really just purposely giving myself love and compassion and grace and things like that. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I just say like, I think similarly enough, like this last year, I think maybe it was, I don't know, I keep thinking everything is this year because it's been several years, but it was like, I think I was telling Heidi, like I kind of came in, like my midsection has always just been my thing similar to like your ledge, you know, five babies, stretch marks, whatever. And also just the place that I put my body fat on first. I mean, I thought to myself one day, I'm like, what if it just never goes away? Am I going to like really hate it and try to Mm -hmm. change it for like the next you know, 50 years, 60 years, or God willing, however long I live. Like, what if I'm just like, it's just going to be there. I mean, like, I'm, I don't care enough to like go under the knife for it. I don't care enough to like, 
you know, do 500 billion deficits in order to see if I can reduce it even a couple inches. It's just like, sometimes it's going to maybe be bigger than others. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll bug me more than others. Sometimes it won't. But also like, am I really going to spend that much energy on that place all the time for the rest of my life? Right. I think, you know, whether it's cellulite or this or that, or this or that, whatever we've been like, I just hate this. Right. And it's like, where am I, do I really want to spend that energy about my stomach for the rest of my life. Like if I think about it that way, it just seems like a royal waste of time. And so, yeah, there are going to be days that I'm like, eh, not my favorite or eh, don't love how that looks on my clothes, but also like, it's just a part of me. It's just what it is. And it's just no different than like any other thing that we have on ourselves. It's like, how much time and energy do we spend hating something when that energy could be used, you know, to hate something else? Just kidding. Well, yeah, it's very true. Or just a reminder of like, of, of how important it is to accept and, and love yourself. And like, like the, like you were saying, like the, like where, where is it written that you're supposed to have five babies and have no residual? Well, like, and, and, like, and some women I'm sure do, but equally they'll hate something else about themselves. And I just don't want to walk around hating these little things on my body that like, really, I don't have a whole ton of control over. Like really, like really, truly. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what I can do is actually just be like, it's going to be there. And also just like, and then to your point, like some days you'll wake up and not even pay attention to it. And it's just like, not that big of a deal. Like same thing with the scale number or whatever it is. That's like always dogging at your heels, right? Like sometimes you have to let it go and then realize like there are other things that you care about more, which are equally meaningful to you than it was at that time. Totally. And, and I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, even, uh, even unpacking what, what it might even represent to you. Like for me, this has been very much about like that younger version of me that I would, that for a lot of my life, I wished never happened. You know, like I wanted to just kind of erase her, like, I'm so much better now. <laughs> I'm fixed now. <laughs> uh, don't even, let's not even talk about her. Like, I don't even, I don't even have that many pictures of myself from, from those ages. Um, but rather like, rather than being like, oh good, that's, that's done. Or I want to like edit that part of my life story. It's like, I'm coming full circle and embracing that and being like, there was actually nothing ever wrong with her teeth or no teeth, you know, scars or no scars, ledge or no ledge, like you were always, always worthy. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's powerful to remind women too, that you can always go back and rewrite the stories because you can't change the facts, but it's the meaning that you gave to it. It was the meaning that you gave to your teeth. You know what I mean? That you can go back and you can rewrite that. And it's really heal that relationship. Absolutely. absolutely. And I think for women that are like, well, that's great. You know, she's 50 and I'm 30 and I wish I could accept my body like that or whatever. But I think it's just if they can even just open the crack, crack the door that there is the possibility. Like it's, it's possible that I could think that way. It's possible I could get there. That's the first step. Totally, totally agree. And that does more than you could ever imagine. (laughs) Just being willing to consider that there's another way to feel about it. Love it. So good, Marla. So my next one goes right into that, which is cherishing my body for the amazing things that it does for me each day. And it really just, I mean, we've kind of Cash that out and just kind of realizing that it's 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 not having that myopic view. It's not just focusing on the one thing we hate, but zooming out and looking at all of all of the good things. And I think too, releasing our body from expectations that you've picked up from maybe family or for culture or from media, they're not realistic and they're not gonna make you happy, you know, and and really be vulnerable and weed out like whoever said I had to be this number, like what is this number meaning to me? And who told me that? 
And were they telling her trying to sell you stuff? (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. So I think that that's a really powerful space too. When you can just be like, let me just focus on maybe one amazing thing that my body did for me today. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine walking around being like, oh, I'm so glad that I'm conformed to society the way that it wants me to. Like just (laughs) say that out loud and how gross that sounds. Like, I'm so glad I'm society's acceptable right now. I'm patriarchy's little darling. I have a little sass. I don't know. I'm just, you know, probably, right? (laughs) So good. All right. Shall we move into the next one? Yeah, let's go to number the next one, which is living in an and world instead of an either or. Now, I think it's important to understand that our default operating system, which is what I like to call them, is that we're all kind of born with is that either or. It's going to show up and then just being aware of like, oh, that showed up and I can change it. Um, And one of them that was super powerful and really hard for me to work through was that because I had been a stay at home mom, like sure, I, you know, taught piano lessons, taught voice lessons, did my husband's bookkeeping, whatever. But um, like I am intentionally building a business and I had to work through the fact that I can be a good mom and a good Nana and be an amazing coach. You know what I mean? I can have things about my body that I would like to change and still love my body. And a big one that I think with a lot of women is like, ladies, like, let's go head to head. Like my life is full. You know what I mean? Like our life, we all, all three of us have a load of kids. There's a lot going on. We can be very busy and still take care of ourselves. It's not an either or. And I think that just... You know, the first step to change is always awareness and just realizing when that either or shows up and just be like, oh, I see you like, hello, either or. And there's always my daughter was the one that told me that she's like, mom, things are always figure outable. You know, they are. They're always figure outable. There is always an and that you can bring in to make it work. And I think that just puts you in a really powerful space. It's very empowering. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, that I that was one of that was a very, one of the, I think one of the first lessons I feel like I learned with macros as well is just like this idea that like, you can have all these perfect plans and the way that things should go, but if they don't like realizing how to scale your goals, how to reprioritize, how to, how to have backup plans and, um, think things like that, that, that it flies right in the face of that, those perfectionist tendencies. Um, even just the, the, the mind F of like, oh wait, I need to eat more to hit my numbers. Like that's a thing, you know, like, like that is, that is like, you don't always make change by having sacrifice feel horrible, you know, by through sacrifice and self-punishment and whatever that like, that there's actually ways to, um, get creative and have fun with your goals and troubleshoot and all of that. It's really, I mean, maybe it's really all and nothing. Yeah. Can, yeah. <laughs> All and nothing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. All right. So are we on number eight? Uh, we are on number eight, which was to trust the process because it's going to take as long as it takes. <laughs> and I used to get super frustrated because I would start like a program. Like I would start a weight training program and then I'd get sick or a kid would get sick. And then I would just be like, I'd go to this all or nothing mentality. All is lost. I can't do it. And I can't ever train and blah, blah, blah. What was me? And I was like, when did it just hit me? It was like, well, does girlfriend, like you're going to get sick. Like just move on with your life. Like, you know, like there's no deadline. There's, are you, are you going to get this weight? And then 
just be just like do whatever it takes to keep it like our health is like till you're dead <laughs> like like let's look at it that way right it takes yep. as long as it takes but this is what i think that i love about aging is that you can teach an old dog new tricks you really can and to me as i delved into becoming trauma informed and and neurobiology neuropsychology like we're talking science here. We're not talking like woo-woo science. Yeah. Neuroplasticity is a real thing, ladies. You absolutely 100% can change. You can change the way that you think. And what I learned about neuroplasticity, it gave me so much hope, not just for my daughter, but for me. Yeah. Like I can think differently. I can have new pathways. I can view myself and my life and my body and the way that I view food, food all differently. And the thing that's really curious to me is that when you're in a hurry, isn't that like, honestly, kind of self-sabotage? Mm. Well, absolutely. I mean, isn't it also kind of uh, hypervigilance? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's it's not necessarily um, having, feeling safe, connected, regulated, executive function online, like being able to... Um, you know, conceptualize the present and the future. Like this, these are all, this is how you're going to get to your goal. Right. Like, and I mean, at, at 40, at almost 45, like 51, you, so you get injured. Um, you, you lost your motivation. You didn't, you know, you fell off, fell off the wagon air quotes again for six months, a year, two years, five years. It's like at this point, that's, that's a rest between sets, my friend. Like there's never, ever too late of journey, right? It's yeah, just never too late. Yeah. Well, it's like the whole, like it's, you know, it takes as long as it takes, but also, you know, how many stops in between you're going to have to do to even just to get there anyway. Yeah. Like, even if you got to one point where you're like, Oh, I've made it. I'm in the pinnacle of my health. Oh, heads up. You still got to maintain it or you still got to keep going. Right. What was that funny Instagram we saw the other day? It's like me realizing that I'm going to have to like exercise and eat healthy for the rest of my life in order to just be like slightly overweight. It's like, it's, <laughs> it, but it's so true though. Right. It's like, you never get to take your foot off the gas if you want to have longevity in life with, with certain things. And so right. it's like, a lot of times it's like, Oh, I got to get there in eight weeks so that I can feel better about myself. It's like, as you listen to this podcast, and I'm sure as you've realized already, there's not a point where you get there and nothing ever bad happens again, or you only feel good about your life from here on out. And so all these things are leading up to this point. Like the kind of the cool part is that it happens when it happens. Yeah. Right. You're there's right. there's no like deadline where like, oh, and like I think so many women think that way. Like, well, it's over. Yeah. I am 40. It's 40. Over. Yeah. Like yeah. this is as good as it gets, or I peaked already. And you're like, holy you're crap. You're just I'm starting. Like to me, I'm like, you're just starting. You still have like 40 good years of living like oh well totally being, hopefully yeah. god willing we actually are not even halfway there yet yes. like I mean, <laughs> I mean a woman we both know and love like said recently I complimented her um she just looked beautiful and I told her that and she said oh who are we kidding I'm way past my prime I'm like oh and she's, you're two years younger than me yeah. <laughs> don't say that it's not true <laughs> yeah I, it's 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 and I was looking at the day like you're like your 30s where you go to die and I'm like whoa yeah easy your, <laughs> your results will be as good as the process feels so it's much better use of your that beautiful brain of yours to be yes. creative about how you can enjoy the process how can it be more fun how can you how can it yeah. It's all about more slow cooker and less instant pot, guys. Like, <laughs> yes. and we're not just saying that because we've never actually been able to get an instant pot to work, <laughs> but maybe a little bit. 
watch people send us messages about how to use oh, I know. We're gonna give it one. your best shot yeah. we can't do it yeah and while you're at it throw in how to make yeast work for me too <laughs> <laughs> never been able to prove it in oh, I know. my Seriously. life oh it's so easy to make fresh bread okay whatever Still I have other waiting. skills it's fine I know also it takes as long as it takes maybe I'll learn it when I'm 70 well, and you guys are one step ahead of me because I haven't bought an instapot yet so there you go oh, you can have ours we'll send it to you and you want our if you want our creamy too you can have our ninja creamy too <laughs> anyways what we will I dust in my kitchen if I give it away <laughs> all right so number nine feeling good about myself is a gift to the world the more confident I am the less I worry about myself and the more I can turn outward Ooh, I so good. love that it's you know, it's a while I was thinking just in like the thick of it last week, how like who's taking care of me exactly? Like, I, you know, you feel like you're like take, picking up the pieces for everybody in your life. And then you realize, oh, that's me. Oh, right. <laughs> that's got to be me. Right. It's got to be. Oh, sorry. Yes. Well, how much time that you spend internally, if you are really caught up in wanting to lose weight or changing your body or whatever, how much time that you think about doing it or how much time you put into hating yourself? Like if you just let go of that, how much time have you freed up in your day? Mm -hmm. And I think that women are afraid to step into this space of being confident and just being able to say to themselves, I am beautiful. Like I actually made a reel the other day and, and because I literally walked by the mirror and I looked at myself and I was like, dang, I look really, I look really pretty today. Like these colors on my face look great. And then I was sad. I hadn't said that to myself every day. Like, why haven't I? And I really, really believe this, that when you step into a place of true confidence in knowing who you are, loving yourself, not that you're not going to have times that you're ripping on yourself and your brain, we're mortal, right? We're human. But really stepping into that space is actually this gift to the world. Because you are less consumed with yourself and you have more space to turn outward. When you feel good about yourself, you're not having to go to the PTA meeting or go to the elementary parties, which I still am going to, even though I'm 50, one more, this is my last year, ladies, and we're celebrating that. But going, you're not worried about like, oh, how do I look and how am I comparing? You just don't care. You're going and you can be like complimenting other women and seeing great things that they're doing. Like, confidence in loving yourself is a gift to the world. Like I truly 100% believe that it is not being vain. It is not being prideful. It is vital and it's super important. Yep. And if any of that, like if the idea of saying that to yourself in the mirror gives like makes you cringe that you, you have a pretty good idea of where you need to start. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that that's pretty much it. Those were my most cherished changes. And I'm super excited. Like I, like I said, I know I'm maybe an anomaly that I'm like, when I turn 61, I can't wait to look back and be like, okay, what did I learn these 10 years? Because really, I think in my forties, I had more growth personally, physically, like I was more, I was stronger. I understood my relationship with food was better. Like it was golden. And I'm like, Hey, if it was golden there, that's propelled me forward for the next 10 years. And oh, what I have when I hit 61, what am I going to be able to look back on and say, okay, I learned like that to me is exciting. I love it. It's so true. I mean, it's like, I loved my thirties and until I got into my forties, I loved my forties. It's like, it's, it's kind of like, you don't know how bad junior high is until you're in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a that maybe that's a terrible comparison. But to your point, it is like I wouldn't I wouldn't exchange wisdom for youth at all. And the only thing, all. my only thing I want is that you should not be able to get like pimples and wrinkles at the same time. Uh, that's my only 40-year-old complaint. That's, that's a fair, that's, that's a fair it. beef. That's I'm I, with you. I feel on that. like other than that, 
bring it. Right. But it's true. I think with these cherished changes and just the reality that like the more you can create more space for other people, because you're not filling it with all your insecurities and self-doubts and negative emotions, the better your life will feel. And then a lot of the things that like you cared about in your twenties, thirties, forties, do they just feel different? They change, they evolve. And it's a really the making of a really beautiful life and it's a messy, beautiful life. Right. And I think kind of like we're talking about in the beginning with like the word cherish, it's like, it's not because nothing ever went bad in that. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like these beliefs and these memories. And I just, I think for those of us who are in the thick of it, whether it's with our families or um, ourselves or our friends or our jobs or whatever it is, it's like the best thing you can do for yourself is to be your best fan. Right. And to like, own where you're at and like also work on improving yourself in the sense that like, I don't have to do a bunch of physical changes to be amazing. It's like looking inward and seeing like getting curious, right? We always I think the three of us are, are big on that. Like you have to ask yourself better questions so you can get better answers. And like, where am I at? Like, what do I need right now? And most likely it isn't Reese's Pieces eggs, right? Of all, sometimes it is, right? Sometimes it's like, actually, that's exactly what I mean. Right? But <laughs> instead of judging yourself for all the decisions you make, it's more about being self-supportive and like the awareness is key. And there, I'm excited for this next group of women in our forties and fifties. And hopefully the like changes that we can like support each other in and prove that it's possible. Because mm-hmm. I would have never thought in a million years that like, this would be how I felt at this age. And I'm so grateful to it. Um, I, I, it breaks my heart a little bit when I, you know, and I know we all have women in our life who like, they really are just hung up on like getting through that weight loss so they can feel better about themselves. And like, I just wish I could just hug her. Right. And just be like, Oh my gosh, like, that's not who you are at all. Like you're so much bigger than that. Right. But it's okay slowly, but surely I think we're getting to the point where we believe like, man, there's gotta be something bigger than this going on. There's gotta be something more than weight loss and and six packs. And, you know, even just like, I think people feel bad, maybe not thinking about it as much sometimes, right? Like, Oh, should I care more about that? Like, but also you get to care what you care about and meet yourself where you're at. Right. And so that's okay too. No, but every woman gets to create her own cherished changes, whatever those look like really, you know? Absolutely. Uh. Beautiful, right. That was super fun. Thanks oh, for thank hanging you. out with That's us. Awesome. We tell everybody where to find you and like what you offer or things like that. And then, yeah, so I, I base, I'm a nutrition and mindset coach. You can find me at Marla Hannig on Instagram. And in two weeks, I will have my website live at MarlaHannig.com. So I know it's exciting. So thank you. Thank you. Oof, you made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoy that episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, share it to your social media, or leave a comment. That all really helps. So the kids say. <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at Butter Your Macros. On the web at ButterYourMacros.com. Twitter and TikTok at What's Up Butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>